Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Nick. I am Tim. Today we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been watching. We're going to do a full review of Sebastian Cordero's Europa Report. And then we may end with a uh, food for thought. We don't have any feedback this week. So send us feedback to feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com. Check us out on Twitter at MFN Podcast. Send us your thoughts on our show or movies or whatever you want us to talk about and we'll bring it up. But anyway, I think it's time to start off with what we've been watching. So Nick, what have you been watching? Uh, I watched The Conjuring. I watched The Conjuring as well. Did you? Yeah. Are you sitting two seats away from me? Possibly. <laughs> what are the odds? Um, I think that's worth talking about. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 I agree, I agree. Um, and well, it's your what you've been watching, so you should begin. Well, what we've been watching. Yeah. Together. Yeah, uh, No, it was it was really, really awesome. I had been hearing that it was really good, and I'm not like a... If, if you were to take all the genres and, and stack them in mm-hmm. order of what I watch, it wouldn't be the bottom, but it would be, it'd be near the bottom. It's not what I naturally gravitate towards, and one of my favorite movies is... is sort of qualifies as a horror movie um so you know i I enjoy them i think they're fun when done well i just think the ratio of quality to just pure and utter shit is there's no other genre like it that's exactly (laughs) how i feel about it but but a a well a well-made horror movie or at least one that's just entertaining is is always welcome and i'd been hearing the conjuring was really good and i was actually rather impressed with uh insidious like it didn't blow my mind but i had fun watching it and it had some decent creeps and it had a both movies from director James Wan. Yeah, uh, and James Wan has has, you know, he's kind of one of those directors where he's he's actually really good. Yeah. But no one ever thinks of that, <laughs> and maybe now they will because he's doing uh, Fast and Furious, right? Yep. So uh, I'll be I'll be anxious to see what he does with it. But anyway, as far as The Conjuring goes, it was really really awesome, and it was uh, it's a very it's a very slow burn, but not in a bad way. It mm-hmm. just does it just does such an expert job of laying little moments. For you to kind of go, oh, that's creepy. Oh, that's creepy. Oh, and it kind of conditions you to know when things are going to start to happen. And it's just, it's, it's kind of like if I can make like a kind of a, a video game analog to it. It's like you know the, the portal games do such a great job of training you in the mechanics of the mm-hmm. game. And before you know it, you're just doing things on instinct without thinking about it. And you're like, oh my god, how did I learn that? Yeah, it's just conditioning. And the movie, uh, you know, great horror movies do that as well. And this one was certainly uh, no exception. It was it was phenomenally done. And by the time there is finally like a big visual payoff where you see something. You've been kind of conditioned to think it's just going to be another little little tiny yeah. like. And so when you finally see something, you're like, oh my god! Like I remember <laughs> I just like threw my I wanted to throw my arms up and just be like, whoo, time out! <laughs> like it was just uh, it was it was great. Um, it was a lot of fun and from a production standpoint. I mean, there's the Steadicam and it was killer. There's this just awesome Steadicam shot right near the beginning that goes mm-hmm. through the whole damn house and it's just expertly done and the. Uh, just really wide lenses to really kind of freak you out and just take everything in was really, really cool. It's just, the, the guy really knows, either that or he just hires the most badass DPs in the world, but uh, it, it doesn't matter. It, it was a very, very cool movie. Yeah, I, um, basically a lot of what you said about horror movies is, I, I agree with it. Most of the time, it's, I what I really, really want out of a horror movie is something that sticks with me or can still creep me out. And the older that I get, the less... Uh, you know, the less or it, it's it's harder to make that happen, mm-hmm. and um, 
even if I were to just default to like jump scares jump scares are stupid in the first place but I've also like developed that sense of I'm going into a horror movie so I'm gonna not jump at anything and that's kind of just how it goes yeah but um no this movie was pretty cool and there's a few moments of like some some characterization moments are very like pointedly corny in, in a lot of like a lot of the instances in this movie like <laughs> and and like a lot of the writing too just gets really like I love the line that's like you know it's, it's like stepping in a piece of gum like I've said that 30 times since we saw this movie last week yeah and it's just I don't know why I love it so much but I do and <laughs> what um, was it what was the context of he's it? like stepping it's kind of like stepping in a piece of gum he taught like he talks about his wife uh being present for or like being a clairvoyant actually right? he's talking about the uh the fact that the haunt house is not haunted, they are. He's like, it's it's when a spirit latches itself oh, okay. to you, yeah. it's not the house. He goes, it's like stepping on a piece of gum. Okay. You step on it, and then you just carry it with you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And he says it so nonchalantly, like it's really, like it's only as significant as a piece of gum when really this demon is trying to murder and destroy their family. As soon as I walked out of the movie, I was like, that movie's kind of like stepping on a piece of <laughs> it's gum. It's going to stick I, with you. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, it's funny that you said that, because I remember watching the movie and laughing at, uh, you know, I, I'm so wrapped up in production, I forget I forget a lot of the time to talk about acting. And, yeah. like, Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga are such a good tandem. Yeah. And they're, they they play so well off of each other and feel incredibly natural. And I think it's just because they're both great, you mm-hmm. know, great performers. But Patrick Wilson, in particular, is very, like... I mean, like, the movie was downright, like, really, really, really scary. Like, mm-hmm. I was scared in the theater. But once Patrick Wilson showed up, I was like, man, shit's under control. Like, <laughs> yeah. his character is yeah. so, like, I got this. Like, he's so nonchalant about, like, horror stuff that when you finally see him freaked out, you're kind of like, oh, damn. But he's almost too, like, in control. Like, there's a couple cheesy moments where you're like, man, Pat, why wasn't Patrick Wilson just Superman? It's like the guy, <laughs> like, Ron Livingston's got, like, a broken down car, and he comes home and... Patrick Wilson's got his sleeves rolled up and he's just like fixing it and I was like like there's a demon on this house right now and the sun's up and you're just gonna be like I got this car like he's just it was really funny he was just like super mean yeah I um I I enjoyed it quite a bit and there were a few times where even just like the 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 camera movements and the shots they chose to do felt very like out of 70s 80s horror and um, just like the motion of a lot of it and even like the opening crawl and how the title shows and like all that the stuff the opening crawl was awesome it felt very much like and that's what I appreciate the most out of this is that James Wan basically one of the fathers of torture porn can still go back and make a horror movie that's not I haven't seen Insidious but he makes a horror movie like he makes a real horror movie he doesn't just make a this is gore and you know yeah, yeah and there's very there's really not a lot of gore in it. There's a little no. bit, but not by today's standards. Certainly, there's like no sex. There's not much swearing, and it's still rated R. Yeah, it's just really it's creepy. damn creepy. Yeah. It's like really scary. Yeah. So, and and I think I read that the MPAA was like, this movie is is scary. We like we're we're gonna we're gonna give it a. I don't remember where I read that. Maybe that's not true. I saw something where like the MPA. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm gonna stop talking about this. <laughs> but anyway, I thought it was quite good. And normally horror is not my thing. So if 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 you've heard good things about The Conjuring, you want to go check it out, you should go see it. Because I'd be curious to read some more. I mean, the critical reviews are all pretty high. I wonder if anybody ever like yeah. ended up leaving the theater because they were like, "This is boring. Like nothing's happening," or people were expecting. And I mean, I could understand that, but you know, and I I, don't, I think our late showing of 
9.45 or whatever it was probably wasn't the best choice because there were a few times where I wanted to nod off but it wasn't because of the movie it was just I was tired so anyway anything else you've been watching Nick? I thought there was something else I made a point to talk about but I I just scrubbed through Netflix and I couldn't find anything so Tim have you been watching anything? Um, what's new in CW? CW Land? Nothing that I know of because <laughs> I have not been watching really any I went and saw The Wolverine yeah. I'm a week late for this. It's I don't. Right. I don't think I have anything to add. I'm trying to think of what you guys have talked about. Wearing a, wearing a black suit with a black shirt and a black tie is a very hard look to pull off. But I thought Hugh Jackman did it nicely. <laughs> he did. I, he I did. don't know if he talked about that. No, he didn't. I also. We were waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of things. Um, I liked this is this is something I like noticed during the movie, and I like I liked it because it was like a goofy like. 70s 80s comic throwback i like that wolverine was like the avenger of the canadian wildlife at yeah, a certain yeah. point like i liked that like that was such a like a, it was goofy but i kind of dug it yeah i think we talked about how that was kind of strange especially <laughs> it, it was odd but especially with the fact that like he doesn't want to pop his claws in the beginning but then he's like oh i'm gonna avenge this bear <laughs> <laughs> but it felt to me like something I don't, it felt like something claremont would throw in no, I, yeah it, it, like a it character totally thing does. it doesn't yeah. um Actually, that's that's a very very valid point. I, I, so, I, um, I watched two episodes. Speaking of ghosts, I watched two episodes of Celebrity Ghost Stories. I don't know if anybody has seen this show, but it's remarkable. Um, the one episode featured Chaz Palminteri from <laughs> Night at the Roxbury fame. Oh, he's been in other things. Vanilla Coke commercial. <laughs> yeah, <from laughs> but he spent like fifteen minutes talking about like ghostly red shoes. Like outside, it was it was really boring, but I was fascinated. <laughs> and then um, Paulina Petrova, Paulina Petrova, she's a model. She's married to Rico Kasich from the Cars. I don't know if we any Cars fans, but like she was scared of ghosts, but she should be more scared of Rico Kasich because he's horrible looking. Like he's a terrible looking man. Mm-hmm. And like so the best part about this to me, and it cracked me up, is like there was a gentleman. Like they hired a Rico Kasich impersonator. Like, so someone, like, got money for looking like Rick Ocasek, and mm-hmm. it was just blowing my mind. Like, I couldn't <laughs> believe what I was watching. And it's like, why is this show, this show is happening. Um, so, but she ended up alright. I think it was at her parents' house, but they seemed to, they seemed to exercise the ghost by the, the end. the best way you've been watching it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's about it. No Heart of Dixie. Um, no. I hear Arrow has some exciting news. Um, who's gonna beat it? Um... Why am I blanking on this? Michael Jai White is going to be in season two of Arrow. Nice. I don't know if anybody kept up on this. I don't know. I hadn't read that, actually. Yeah. I read that they were going to introduce a few more heroes. They wanted to introduce the Flash. I I think Flash they're going to introduce... um, Which is weird. It's going to take the show to a new... Which kind of bums me out a little, though, because I was... I still hold out hope for a Flash movie, but I don't think it's ever going to happen. Um, This is actually a brilliant... Point for me to spin out of what you're saying okay. because I did watch Operation Flashpoint or Flashpoint Paradox. Okay. Uh, the anime, the DC animated movie based on Flashpoint, the comic series, um, and it was really awesome. Okay. It was really. Is that awesome. on Netflix? It is not. Okay. Uh, but it's really good. I highly, highly recommend checking it out. It's actually uh, the animation is great. The action is really good. It's violent, like in a cool way, and it. You know, I, a friend of mine watched it, and he was like, it actually does a great job of explaining how, like, why the Flash is, is really cool. He's like, and how his powers could work visually, like, in a movie. Because mm-hmm. like, he was having a hard time 
fathoming a Flash live-action movie. He's like, how are they going to, like, like, what are they going to show? Like, what's yeah. it going to look like? And then Man of Steel came out, and a lot of people were like, that's what the Flash will look like, like when Feyora was wiping things yeah. out. Yep. And uh, I was like, are you kidding me? A Flash Flash movie has the most visual potential of any DC superhero. Yeah. And arguably, anyway. And um, You didn't like race car with track and Green Lantern? <laughs> Took me back to my childhood with those big orange <laughs> yeah. things you'd click together and it'll just hold it real high and then it would just fall halfway up. Um, <laughs> but uh, Flashpoint was really cool and it, it's a it's a really cool story. Like it's a cool idea. Like the the other universe that he kind of explores is really nifty in it. Yeah. And um, I think it was. I mean, it was really great. It also made Aquaman pretty cool. Like I, I think people people currently who are kind of anticipating to see where the DC Universe goes should probably watch it because it's cool to see The Flash take center stage who usually is like relegated to like you know second string and um stay, you know it brings some of those other heroes like Aquaman and Wonder Woman into the forefront a little bit too but it's uh it's really cool I liked it quite a bit and I think it it did you know wet my appetite even more for a Flash movie which I hope I did read that they were like oh they're gonna make a Flash show like yeah. just Flash and I was like yeah. Why? That's what I was going to make a movie. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> but I think they said they were going to try to introduce him in Arrow and then spin out into his own show. But Flash has some, I don't know, um, reach outside. Because he had a TV show. It was like back in the 90s. Yeah, like, 90s. like on CBS and stuff. So there is a familiarity with people like in the mainstream with Flash, too. Mm-hmm. So I don't... Same thing with Wonder Woman. And so like something like Green Lantern may, was a tougher sell. Because I don't know how many people in the... Yeah, that's true. So, but like with Flash and Wonder Woman, there is that recognition there with people. And I don't understand why it's so hard, maybe, for those two to get off the ground. I don't know. It is weird. Yeah. I think the thing that, in terms of the live-action universe that DC's kind of scared of, and that they shouldn't be, is keeping it fantastical. Like, yeah. Marvel, I love Marvel, and I... But, you know, every time I look at the newer comics that are coming out and, like, the newer animated series mm-hmm. and the movies and stuff, all the characters are slowly getting turned into guy in black leather. Yeah. With practical everything. Or, like, you know, somewhat realistic. And especially in the comics. They're, like, that's... It's going that way hardcore. Is it right, right again? Now. Okay. But DC, you gotta give them props. They're kind of sticking to their guns. Like, everybody still has... Yeah. Their crazy tights and, like, the colors and... and the, it's kind of jarring at first. Like when I was watching uh, Flashpoint, I w- it was just funny because there's, there's a really great, great sequence where the whole Justice League comes together and they all have to work together to solve this problem. And it's really, really cool seeing all their powers come into play. But it was funny because they're all wearing their like their costume, their comic costumes, and it hasn't been watered down at all to try to look a little more like real life. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, it's kind of cool that they're saying like, you know what, well we're just going to keep our heroes fantastic because they are fantastic people. They're yeah. not normal people. Mm-hmm. They are above. And I think that they should probably not be afraid to kind of continue that way for movies. Like, you know, it might, it might be a tougher sell to the mainstream, I don't know, but I think it was it was kind of cool for the animated series purpose anyway that they were they were still kind of doing that. Yeah. Like, I mean, guys like guys like Superman and, and Batman and, and Wonder Woman and Green Lantern, you know, they shouldn't necessarily look like us or you know try to blend in too much because really they they don't yeah <laughs> so i don't know i mean i think man of steel did a good job respecting the costume and the, and the mythology enough and hopefully with the the other movies to come it's cool that they they've pretty much come out and said they want an older like kind of rough grizzled veteran batman for the batman superman movie 
and I think that was absolutely the way to go. And hopefully they make him kind of you know a little more gadgety, a little more techy, yeah, a little more over the top, well, I, yeah, Justice League style Superman or Batman. I'm sorry, who is believable that he's hanging with like you know the last Kryptonian and all these people, and like, yeah. he's just a guy. Like Bale's Batman would be like, I'm gonna go home. Like I have no, <laughs> I have no place here. I'll see you guys later. So yeah. like it's cool that in. Like in Flashpoint, there's this big, there's this little crisis they have to come together and solve early on, and immediately they all kind of turn to Batman to be like, okay, what do we do? Because like, he's like the guy, like the strategist mm-hmm. and the tech guy, and like Flash is like, what's up, Bats? What do we do? And he's like, here's what we do, guys, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Who does the voice for Batman in Flashpoint? Uh, Kevin Conway. Does he? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Of course. Batman. Yeah, basically, <laughs> Batman does the animated voice. Batman. <laughs> yeah. Um, Tim, if- anything else? No, that's it. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to go on this huge rant, but I know we don't have a... It's okay. We've got space. I think, I think though, it's, it's an interesting thought. I mean, it'd be... That doesn't mean keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> don't censor me, uh, even though you edit these things. The, uh, the, yeah, I know I don't, I don't even listen to that. I, mean, I don't even know if I'm even in the podcast. Really. I, could be, I could be Adrian Brody and just, like, I'm in the background for a couple lines. Uh... <clears throat> I think it, I think that it'd be neat though if DC kind of went that way with their live action as well, where they're kind of like you know what eh, the Flash wears a red costume, deal with it. Yeah, it looks cool when he runs really fast. So, anyway. Okay, um, your comment about celebrity ghosts. Yes. Whatever. Yes. Made me remember. I wanted to say that the Conjuring really feels like uh, Ghost Hunters, but number one more legitimate, and number two like in the '60s or '70s, whenever it was, and I thought that was a really really cool dynamic. Okay. It, it did feel weirdly legitimate. It was, yeah. Wasn't it based on it's, a it's, real couple? Didn't they have a documentary too? Were they were they the Miamiville horror Miamiville horror people? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They, okay. They, they, they I don't never seen it, that, but you know. there's actually a reference to that at the end of the movie. Is yeah. that okay? Okay. It's pretty cool. It was, I Spoiler didn't alert! Until I <laughs> <laughs> until you read the IMDb trivia. Yeah, yeah. Basically, that they were like, oh, there's just a little line where they say like, so and so wants to call us about a. A thing in Long Island or something, and that apparently was like yeah. okay. Chronologically, in real life, was right at the same time as this. So. I, okay. I, I was kind of curious to, to read a little bit more about uh, about the actual incident. Yeah. And the actual couple, but I was like, yeah, I just might freak myself out. That documentary is <laughs> supposed to be really, really good, but I've never <clears throat> watched it. Yeah, that's interesting. It's cool you said what that I haven't been watching. Yeah. The movie does do it pretty. It does make it seem pretty legitimate. Yeah. It feels more legitimate than Ghost Hunters. Well, does. yeah, because they were they were very very professional about it mm-hmm. too, and they they didn't get mad when people were like, "Oh, I don't really buy into that." They were just like, what? "Yeah, no, I got a yeah. room I full prefer, of haunted yeah. haunted ass shit back at my place. You can see if you want." <laughs> that was really cool. That yeah. that was creepy as hell. And uh, but yeah, like the the scenes of the the lectures at the colleges and stuff were all very cool. They yeah, seemed, I, they and I think very legitimate. I think um, Warren was their name. Yeah. Was it? What's her name? Lorraine. Yeah. Lorraine Warren. I think Ed, she still. I think she still does um, college tours or so. Or she has in the past few years because one of the guys on on the Slash Filmcast was talking about going to see one of her talks. Apparently, she's in the movie. She's like. Yeah. Yeah. In the front row. Yeah, in one, in one of the lecture things. halls. But. And I think it was just a huge part of it is, is those two. Like, they were perfectly cast. Yeah, they were They, they, they were really sold it. Quite as, good. And Vera Farmiga is just like, oh, man, let's hang out. You're so awesome. <laughs> yeah. She's just such a cool lady. Yeah. And somebody on IMDb was like, she's the new, like, scream queen. They're like, she's so good in horror movies. And I was like, I've never thought of that. Like, is there... 
Are there any other scream queens besides like Jamie Lee Curtis? Like she's kind of the one. Yeah, I don't know. Not enough slasher movie guy. Nev Campbell. Yeah, I was say Nev Campbell got called that for a while. Yeah. Um, um, I'm thinking of another one. Willie would be talking about his like CW. Yeah, WB. yeah. Well, like, uh, Katie Holmes was in a couple there back yeah. to back for a little bit. Um, Hayden Hayden Panettiere has she been in some? Prom night. Prom night. Scream Prom night. Four. Scream Four. She was in one of them. Scream. Scream. Yeah. Oh, Jennifer Love Hewitt, right? They talk yeah, about sure. Totally. Give it to her. Oh, oh Alex. <laughs> you already also bestowed that title to her. Um, anyway, off of The Conjuring. Um, off of Jennifer Love Hewitt. Never. On to Jennifer. No. Um, Why can't I sleep whenever? That's her song from the I Still Know What You Did Last Summer soundtrack. Um, um, I got to see Back to the Future at the Main Art Theater Yes. on Saturday night. Um, it's my second time seeing it as a midnight movie at the Main Art. Um, that's, that's in my top five. That's probably like number two or three. Yeah. I yeah. just, I, that, that movie is amazing for so many different reasons and, uh, you know, it's probably not even interesting for me to talk about it because, I, you know who hasn't watched it a billion times. But the one thing that I did notice, I already told Nick this, the one thing that I did notice this time around that I didn't notice beforehand, um, <clears throat> Marty gets rejected at the beginning as to playing for, like, the, the, the school for uh, their dance. And uh, towards the end of the movie, Marvin Barry injures his hand and he can't play guitar, and, and then, you know, Marty's like, oh, you know, my parents have to kiss and I have to play the song so that they kiss and blah, 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 blah. And I, that, I always felt that that was his motivation for doing it, but I also never saw it as, like, a point of closure for that earlier moment. Like, he does get to play for his school, even though it's, you know, 30 years earlier. But I, that just kind of struck me as interesting this time around, which is not, you know, it's, it's yeah. awesome that a movie from 85 that I've seen a billion times is still, you know, giving me new stuff to look at or maybe I'm just dumb and no uh, no I write into feedback at midwestfilmers.com <laughs> to tell me no, how I get many this, years ago you realized this I find but. something like every time I watch Ghostbusters I yeah. find like a new joke that yep. I didn't realize before and, and I'm like that's hilarious and that's, yeah. that's part yeah. of the thing about seeing these at midnight is that I think that's the reason because I saw the Royal Tenenbaums there as a midnight movie um, when you have such a large crowd going to see a movie there are people that are going to laugh at basically every joke that the movie tries to pull off, as long as it's some kind of funny, you know? And so you kind of get to tune into these jokes that you wouldn't otherwise pick up because you're not used to that, where the humor was going with it or the delivery or something, but somebody else will, and it kind of tips you off, and then you're like, oh, that is actually really funny. So that's kind of why I like going to the to the, the comedy midnight movies and, and you know have, stuff like that have they been playing have they been uh, projecting them on like blu-ray or has it been DB or um, See, film I didn't I wasn't actually looking that hard this time but I, I remember seeing Serenity last year and it was really really there were a lot of artifacts and I was pretty certain that it was DVD yeah Ninja I, Turtles they did a, they did a film I think Back yeah. to the Future was film and I've seen The Fifth Element as film too okay. when I went there yeah, because really... I was disappointed that Big Trouble in China was just a projected like DVD, and I was yeah. like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, <that's> disgusting. <laughs> every every like it, it, I think it's really hit or miss with the movie. So, yeah, you know. I guess it's understandable. But all right, um, I'm trying to think if I watched anything else. Have you caught up with the newsroom? No, okay. I watched like 20 minutes. <laughs> 
I was like, I <laughs> threw up. And yeah. I was like, I need to get through Breaking Bad. I can't watch this right now. I'm just saying, episode two is the worst episode of TV Sorkin's <laughs> ever written. It's so bad. So you should watch it. Catch I up. will. I will. Season two, episode two. Breaking, yep. Breaking Bad. The final eight episodes of Breaking Bad start on Sunday, so I need okay. to be caught up by then. So hopefully, sometime next week, I can watch it, and then okay. we can discuss next time that you're. Are on. you watching Sunday? Yeah, right. I hope to. I'll anyway. try to join. Okay, good. That's good. cool. Uh, you know, you said that about uh, about Back to the Future, catching the jokes, and like maybe we can say that for a few for, for that. My idea. What's your food for Whatever thought? We can we can tease the food for thought. Uh, I was just thinking it'd be fun to talk about maybe other movies where you know you've seen them repeat times and maybe you you squeeze a little bit more out of it every time, like especially comedies, like those really really well written ones. That, okay. I don't know. Coming coming up coming up later. <laughs> food for thought. Um. All right, so I think we're just gonna move right into our review. Okay. Of. Sebastian Cordero's Europa Report. I forget his name every single time that I go to say it. It's funny. Um, it is funny. <laughs> so, oh, by the way, Michael J. Michael J. White. Michael J. White is going to be guesting as. Is he gonna be Deathstroke? As Bronze Tiger. Oh. And then Kevin Alejandro, from Southland and True Blood, is going to appear as Sebastian Blood. But anyway. Now we're getting into those DC films mm-hmm. no one knows. <laughs> Deep DC, yeah. Deep DC. <laughs> oh, that's, that's Tim's segment. Deep DC <laughs> with Tim Long. Alright, so Europa Report. Directed by Sebastian Cordero. Currently out on Video On Demand and iTunes and out in select theaters as of this past Friday. Um, this is a movie starring... Christian Carmago of Dexter fame, uh, Michael Nyquist of many other movies fame, Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible 4 and, and uh, the foreign Girl with the Dragon Tattoo stuff, Shelter Copley of District 9 fame and, and a bunch of other people. 18. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um... Here's a quick synopsis from IMDb saying, An international crew of astronauts undertakes a privately funded mission to search for life on Jupiter's fourth largest moon. So, it's kind of a limited release sci-fi movie. I think that kind of, you know, limited release makes me assume that it's lower budget, but we don't know what lower budget means if we're not given a number, so. Um, Nick was drawing comparisons to Sunshine and, and sun, what, what was let's take a look at Sunshine's budget um this is good radio <laughs> do you want me to sing Jennifer Love You again? yes why can't I breathe whenever I'm around you Box Office Mojo doesn't have production budget for Sunshine but um really? let's look at Wikipedia real quick IMDB I think had it at one point. I think it's like 15 mil. 40 million. Oh, alright. 40 wrong. million for Sunshine. What the hell so, was I thinking of? I don't know. Take the block? Maybe. Yeah. Um, so, I think we can probably, we can safely say this movie, I hope this movie was made for less than 40 million dollars. Yeah, totally. But, we don't know that for sure. Um, this one kind of struck my fancy because it is a, a, a lower budget sci-fi limited release and I like we like to kind of pull in the limited releases here to kind of push people to go and see them so the nice thing is you can watch it in the comfort of your own own home if you wish uh, I don't know exactly where it's been released as of right now but 
I think it'll probably trickle out to a few more theaters as the week's gone. But, anyway, I think Nick and I are pretty big science fiction fans. How do you feel about science fiction as a whole, Tim? Um, probably not as big as fans as you guys are. I'm, okay. I mean, I like it. I mean, and I... Good well, science fiction is good, good. And there has been a resurgence of, yeah, kind of lower yeah. budget science fiction that's been really interesting lately. So, yeah. I, and I've liked a lot of those movies. I, I liked Sunshine. I really, really liked Moon. Um, yeah. Movies like that. Yeah. So, Attack so, of Lot was great, so. Yeah. So that's a good group of movies to kind of try to throw this one into. Yeah. Um, Nick, I think we'll start with your thoughts on your upper report. Um, I, I was pretty looking forward to it. I had wa- watched the trailer ages ago. Like I think the trailer was released in, uh, just months ago. And from what I, re- I remember really thinking it was going to be like a, a really um, Charlotte Copley-led movie. And it's much more ensemble than that. Yeah. Um, not in a way that I really enjoyed, actually. Because it felt like to me, all of the characters were kind of uncharacters. Like, there wasn't really much to most of them. And I I never really got particularly invested in any of them. Uh, I don't know, it's, it's, it's hard for me to really pin down how I felt. Because the movie had a lot of things that I would normally appreciate a movie doing. Like, kind of, it, it was kind of a cold, removed movie where it doesn't really put you in the shoes of any one character or really yeah. any of them. There's no cipher for the audience. Yeah, it's movie. very, it's very more, it's it's much more documentary in a, in a way, mm-hmm. which normally I think I'd be really into. But for this movie, I was expecting something with a little more personality, I think, and so I was kind of let down by that. Um, it just it felt really, really, really cheap to me. Like not in like a in a way that I think it pulled off. Like all of the press conference scenes, I was like, this is like in someone's living room with, like, a backdrop and, like, the three actors sitting there. Like, it just it was really, really super fake to me. And a lot of, I don't know, just the production value. Low budget's not bad. I think low budget's great. But you got to know how to work it, yeah. I think. And this movie, I don't think, did it well at all. Um, I think that there are definitely some... some issues with how we watched it. I think if I had seen it in a theater, I might have liked it a little, maybe a little bit more, maybe yeah. less. I mean, I don't know. Watching it through through iTunes rental was a little a little weird, but it was cool. I didn't, uh, I don't know, I have, I have a lot of technical issues. There's just a lot of weird creative choices with, with technical yeah. stuff. Like, the, I, I had mentioned after we saw it that the, the helmet cams really bothered me. Yeah. Like, inside, I couldn't, like, see anything except, like, just, like, a, a section of the actor's face and it, I wanted to see their entire face and just a weird I have just this, lots of weird little nitpicky gripes that just add up to me not really enjoying it I think it was a cool it was a really cool premise it was a super super mm-hmm. cool premise and I wonder why I wish we knew the damn budget yeah <laughs> so badly because <laughs> I was about to say I, I wonder why it didn't get more a little more money pumped into it because it's a really slick idea it's really cool but uh, I think that kind of going the you know, quote-unquote found footage route was not super appealing to me, and I don't think it was It was handled particularly well. I don't know. Okay. Just, I don't know. It's, Tim, it's, it's weird. Tim, did you watch the trailer or no? I did not watch the trailer. Okay. No, it's weird. Right. Let's segue into your <laughs> well, thoughts. Well, no, because, yeah, I didn't watch the trailer. I was sold, though, because 
I saw that was it was Magnet releasing that released the movie, and I, <laughs> yeah. Magnet releasing is like my favorite. Rubber and uh, rubber. Um, I'm thinking uh, Hobo well, with the shotgun. Hobo with the shotgun. Goon. I really liked Goon. Okay. With, um, but they do a lot of really cool genre release. Uh, VHS two. Yeah. Um, or VHS, I should say. Yeah. So they do a lot of really cool genre releases. Like I'm like I try to watch when something kind of catches my eye like that. Yeah. Um, I lean a little bit. I don't want to be too negative on it because. Its heart was in the right place. This movie, <laughs> and it's it's an interesting. I like the concept of a very realistic. Because um, I know I read from the summary that like NASA was involved in, in yeah, helping. Even, kind even of in the credits, it looked like NASA and like Lockheed Martin and mm-hmm. a bunch of different high science technology companies were right involved in the making of this movie and i like the idea at least of, consulting in some some way yeah and i like the idea of like a like a realistic really realistic take on what it would be like to travel to europa but mm-hmm. uh, yeah i had a lot of the same problems nick had kind of getting into the characters and the threat and it never really felt it never it didn't do anything the threat of uh, lights i guess um, in the movie, like it just, and I understood what they were going for. It just, it didn't. None of the movie really grabbed me. I wasn't, I wasn't like terrible. And they're really cool. Like, there's the shot of when they enter um, Europa, mm-hmm. like the shot overhead shot. Like, I'm like, this is really cool. Like, it's amazing. And I like the idea. Oh wait, are we no spoilers yet? Or what are no we doing? spoilers yet? Okay, yeah. And I, the the theme behind the film, I'll get into a little okay. later. And it's 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 very earnest and sweet and in a way and. I, I like that. The problem is I was never really engaged by any of it. So okay. uh, there were parts, but... All right. Um, when the movie ended, I was pretty high on it. I, I understood there's a lot of flaws to it. But uh, like you said, Tim, I felt like it was a pretty real account of like what a mission to Europa could be like, which I think was awesome. I thought that was that, that's my favorite aspect of the movie. However, in the end, like, a day later thinking about it, the movie feels largely inconsequential. Like, there's not... Like you said, Nick, you don't really connect with anybody, and and the events of the movie just kind of unfold, and you don't really feel... Like, none of the big, like... You know, none of the big story beats really end up hitting you, because you don't... It's just not... You're not engaged with it. And, And so... I still I still like the movie a lot. I, I didn't have a problem with the found footage thing. In fact, probably 45 to, you know, 60 minutes into the movie, I was like, wait, this is found footage. Like, I didn't even think about that until, like, more than halfway through the movie, which I, I thought was pretty awesome. It feels... This is one of the more logical, non-forced found footage movies that I've seen as of late because most of the time it's like oh yeah we bought a bunch of cameras to do this thing paranormal activity mm-hmm. um or any other found footage movie Maybe, uh... um so <laughs> i think this is the most realistic like this is why you would have all these angles and this is why like it all makes sense and that i appreciate it for that um and it would have been nice to see it on the big screen just to see because, Nick, you said yesterday there's some obvious mo- moments of, like, filters being put over the screen or, like, shutter speed slowing down just to hide the fact that 
they don't have the money to 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 make really really good looking CG or or models or sets or anything like that. So, it would have been interesting to see how that holds up on the big screen rather than you know on a slightly uh, on a compressed video file that you download from iTunes. I think that would have been interesting to take a look at, but. Um, yeah, it's really just kind of a disappointment for me because I, I, I do really love the idea and I love the message of the movie that's basically like, just to sum it up, is that we do these missions to learn more and if we don't learn more, then they're useless. Like that, I, I, I like that idea and I like the, the things that the movie presents with respect to science and space programs and, um, but it's really, it, it just kind of sucks that it doesn't quite it's not as, uh, from a character standpoint and engaging the audience standpoint, that it's not stronger in that respect. And I think part of that is by design, obviously. It is kind of like the documentary-ish style, like pseudo-documentary. And, and, you know, it's not like you get the perspective of a person through that, but you would think that there is at least you would hope for more development of the people or at least one of the people just so that you you're like this person is real like this per i i can connect with this person because of i i know who they are and you don't really get any of that from anybody in this movie so that sucks and it's not it's not the fault of acting i thought the acting was good enough for what they were given mm-hmm. but um yeah overall I think it's a movie that, if you like science fiction, you like space programs, you like, um, you want to see what people can do to stretch their dollar for, for making a movie like this, I think it's an interesting exercise to watch. But um, it, I, I think it left me wanting, wanting something better. Like, it, it, it feels like a little bit of wasted potential, but that's kind of where I'm at. Any other thoughts before we move into spoiler territory? Not really, no. No? No. Letter grade? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I haven't thought that far ahead yet. (laughs) Tim? You usually jump. C? C? Alright. Good effort. Good try. I think that's probably a pretty good... Yeah. C? I think I'd go with C. Yeah. I was going to say C-. Last night it was a It was a D. (laughs) (laughs) Still better than After Earth, it's, but not. Nah. Yeah, yeah. Did, that, did I give that a D? No. You gave it an F. You gave it an F. I gave it a D minus. Tim gave it a D minus. Just, justly so. <laughs> no, for me, I mean, it's right in that D plus C minus territory where, yeah, it it did it did it just the potential is so high for such a great movie, and it yeah. it just really fell right in that space for me. So I I really can't think of much I really even enjoyed about it. So, but I I still I still appreciate it so much for that realistic portrayal of what it would be like to go to Europa. Like it, like it feels like it was very much this is a space program that could be launched at some point in the future and we could see it play out this way. It wasn't like a oh we've invented hyperdrives that will get us there in two months and you know or we have stasis or something like there wasn't any of that. It was very much yeah here's this logical extrapolation of our technology from the space program that would get us there. I appreciate it a lot for that, but... I do think that's awesome, and I think that the 
the idea of making it feel as though we're watching back kind of what they got back in the end uh, is cool, but I think you can still do that thematically and just... It doesn't need to look like that, though. I guess it, I, I would have rather it... I mean, I liked a lot of the set design and stuff. Like, like the ship felt really cool and interesting to me. And No, yeah, definitely. I, I guess I, I would have rather... I'm flirting with spoiler turf here. So I don't know if I guess I, if I really want to get into it right now. I, I guess I, I I wish the movie hadn't been relegated to to the fixed cameras in the yeah in the ship. Like cutting cutting between those would have been really cool. But I wanted to kind of feel like you were part of the crew and not just observing them. Like kind of being in their shoes and moving through the ship and seeing it as they see it. And I think that that's part of the reason it just didn't feel. It didn't. It didn't roll me in because I've never really watched a found footage movie where I've connected with any of the characters or felt anything. That makes sense. The whole thing is very voyeuristic and removed. Yeah. And while that's fascinating on 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 a point, uh, on on one level, it would have been better for this movie maybe if if we had spent more time during the actual journey because it just kind of hits the fast forward button. It's like, by the way, here it's eighteen months. Well, we didn't talk at all about the kind of unconventional storytelling. It jumps around in timeline a bit. You almost kind of get a trailer of the movie. At the beginning of the movie, and I did not like that at all. Uh, yeah, I thought that was kind of strange. I think that I would have, I would have rather the movie just unfolded from A to B, and then I probably could have done without almost any of like the Dan Fogelberg, like uh, <laughs> and Beth Davis, like stuff at the beginning. Mayor Clay Davis. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like I almost would have rather just seen the movie. And she maybe. <laughs> Maybe seen a little bit with them at the beginning, and it was it was cool to hear them explaining the, the rationale behind the whole program and why they want to do it, but it it felt almost tacked on in a way. When I saw Dan Fogler, Fogelberg, it's Fogler, Fogler, yeah, yeah. When I saw him on the cast list, I was like, ah. <laughs> uh... But actually seeing the movie, I was okay with him. I think the segments he was in. No, no not, Dan yeah. Fogler looked like a guy who would work for NASA. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> like I like that. No, I'm not. I'm not criticizing. <laughs> no, his no, totally yeah. yeah. At all. That's 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 yeah. that's kind of what I. I made a joke about it while we watching the movie, but I. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not bothered by his presence at all. Yeah. But I. Uh, it's just those segments were. It just. It felt yeah. to me like the movie couldn't really decide which way it wanted to go, and I. And one of the notes I just had written down was it just felt to me like everything this movie wanted to do, Sunshine did way better. Like, if you watch Sunshine after watching this, you'd be like, oh my god, Sunshine just brutalizes this movie. And it has a lot of the same story beats, too. Yeah. In, in ways. And it obviously, it's got, it's got a much bigger budget, but I think you've also got, I mean, undeniably, you've got Daniel Boyle at the helm. Yeah. He can make a movie for nothing, and it would still be amazing. Like, 28 Days Later, I don't think he had much of a budget, and it looks like crap, but it's still a super engaging movie. Yeah, and I, uh, I, I kind of wish that I had seen Sunshine a little bit more recently, because I feel like I'm way overdue for a rewatch but oh my god yes um but it does have a, you'll you'll watch sunshine and be like oh this has a couple of the same kind of moments like this movie felt like it no was and kind I, of influenced like, by that and kind of by moon but even though it's been like three or four years for me from seeing that i do it feels like it has a f- heavy fingerprint from sunshine and even and moon is just so much is so amazing too moon, and, is, moon feels very shoestring as well yeah but it's just it's just such a phenomenal movie so i guess i would have almost rather this it sounds cheesy but it's one of those conventions that like you could when you're starting the movie or like starting the footage of the of the team on the ship you could almost do that kind of zoom in on, on the shitty camera and then just cut to like kind of breaking that wall yeah. to like actual camera not crappy camera on the wall 
and then maybe at the end of the movie pull back from that or something like that. It sounds like a cheesy bookend, but it would have I would have liked it better. Yeah, I can understand that. Because I mean, would a transmission from Europa to Earth even look that good? Wouldn't it just be like it, like just frames kind of? I I mean I don't I don't know. We got some fairly good transmissions from the moon in the '60s, so yeah, that's kind of that's that's yes. one of those like if if anything is the most illogical part of that extrapolation of technology it could be the idea that yeah but we'll get into spoil that that's almost spoilery so i think we'll take a quick break we'll get into spoilers and then we'll do food for thought all right so we'll be right back Alright, you're now in the spoiler section for our review of Europa Report. By? By Sebastian Cordero. Yes. Finally, on like the seventh time, I got it. <laughs> Alright, spoilers. Um, Tim, you were kind of treading towards spoiler territory. Do you remember where you were headed? Where was I headed? Um, oh, you guys, to Charlton Copley's death. Okay. Yeah, he dies. Charlton Copley dies midway through the movie. Um, Is it even midway? Maybe. Pretty <laughs> early. A third it's, of the way. Yeah. yeah. And what and what sucks about it is he's the one character that I kind of started to connect with. Yeah. And that you had some sort of connection. And it was weird. And you could have had more of a connection with him. But for the first act of the movie, he kind of floats in and out of the movie at yeah. time. And it's weird that it... <laughs> floats? Like, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> yes, he dies by floating. It's <laughs> true. He dies by floating. Like, he just floats off. Bye, Shanto. See you in eighteen two. No, it's 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 oh, weird because he's the only one that has yeah. a connection to somebody back on Earth. It yeah. seems like like everybody else is just like I don't know how they make him in China, but that dude clearly didn't care. And then like <laughs> I, he was a machine. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's it's weird that they would choose to kill off the character that has any sort of semblance of and I joking personal relationships. And I jokingly said it was like the and there are other there are better examples than what I'm about to say, but it was the Sam Jackson and Deep Blue Sea moment, <laughs> where like yeah. Sam Jackson just gets eaten by a shark midway through. And you're like, what? Like, <laughs> by Sam. But like, I think that's kind of maybe what they were going for, just because he is probably he is the most well known. Oh yeah. Of the and I think maybe like they were going for that like a connection with him with that, but it, yet like I said, the first act he's. He's just kind of in and out. He just kind of, yeah. It is very weird. It's mm-hmm. very weird. It's like he was only available to film for like three days, and they were like, yeah. oh, let's get what we can. <laughs> exactly. Make that, it work. That's what it felt like, yeah. Yeah. Very strange. Yeah, because he... I started to get a little bit puzzled by the chronology of the movie. Like, I was having a hard time decide, figuring out what was going on, because yeah. they're kind of like, okay, here's the NASA bullshit at the beginning, and then like here's the 18 months later, like, this is when we're, we're landing on Europa, and they're like, oh, it's not... Things haven't been the same since we lost uh, Jim or whatever his name is, mm-hmm. and and uh, then I was like, well, who's that? And then they finally introduced you to the team, and Charles Copley goes, okay, so he dies at some point, and then you go back to the Europa stuff, and you're like, well, wait, was he dead there? Or is he just like behind on the ship? Like, did, yeah. like I'm just very confused. It, it laid it out very weirdly, and I had to like stop myself and think about it, which made me stop paying attention to the movie, which annoyed me. But the um, <coughs> Yeah, he's the only character who not only has a connection at home and the one you're connecting with, but the one who's actually a character. Mm-hmm. Like, has things about him that make him a character. 
that like he smells kind of bad. Yep. And like wears like a baseball cap and you know cries when he's leaving iPad messages for like his wife and baby at home or whatever. Right. Like he has things to make. The rest of them are just like robots. Like as they slowly died one by one, I was like, I don't give a shit. Like, yeah. yeah. When's this one gonna die? Yeah. <laughs> when's he gonna die? Like I just didn't. It was beyond giving a crap about the about the characters and that and. You know, they don't even need connections at home on Earth to make them feel like people. Like, they can have connections with each with other. With each other, yeah. But the only, the only one that was mildly interesting was, uh, was Andre, who was, uh, the guy from Mission Impossible 4. Yeah, yeah, Michael Nyquist, because he was just kind of weird. And he started, yeah. yeah, he started to kind of unravel a bit. Yeah, yeah the rest I was like, yeah. I just don't even Well, and that's, I feel people. like his unraveling was kind of really done a disservice, because he starts to unravel when Jim dies. But you, you start see, but you start seeing that unraveling before Jim actually dies. When he starts to see the light, Jim? yeah. Or am we just I think it's it? Jim. I'll I take a look. Jim. Keep talking. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, uh, it just... James Corrigan. James, yep. Okay, so Jim. Yeah, I just didn't give a shit. And, like, and you know, the thing, the thing that I've learned about, like, astronauts and, like, NASA folk, based on, like, some of their videos and shit, these people are hilarious. Like, they, yeah. they do fun shit yeah. when they're in space. Because they're like, hey, we're in you space. You have to. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and they do fun them. things like throw water at each other and like try oh, yeah. to eat it. And like, I'm like, show me some of that. Like, show me the crew kind of bonding. The only moment I felt like they were people was at the very end of the movie when it shows them posing for a photo together. And I was like, yeah. where, the, where was that? <laughs> like, yeah. It just, it, you know, it, it, and it can be like like everything you you like about it, Alex. Like that, I agree. Like the the kind of the very science based plot of the movie and and somewhat execution. That's all great, but I think it, it is a movie. It needs to have no, yeah. the trappings of a movie, and it totally. needs to have like characters and like little character moments, and and uh, I just didn't feel that hardly at all. Like I was like, man, homeboy's playing the same character from Dexter. We just is like blank stare weirdo. Like he's just the same. I don't know. He's more weird. of a character in Dexter. Yeah, totally. Um, it's just a pity because there's there's so much potential to have because that's. That's like heart wrenching when like things go wrong and there's no connection to home or anything. Like the the Jim's death scene was really 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 well done because you're like he's yeah. the only one. Who yeah. Like, yeah. And like the moment immediately following where Andre just starts freaking out and suspended in the chamber, like that was really good. Yeah. And then the rest of the movie just flatlined, and I was like, ugh, like I just didn't even want to watch it anymore. It just started to get boring for me. And I was like, man, I just don't give a shit about any of these people. <laughs> they all suck because they're like Jim's dead. Mission continue. Like, they're not even really upset about it. Andre's the only one. They're all like, whatever. Yeah. And, like, the scene where, uh... Has everybody seen Sunshine? At yeah. least once? Yes, yeah. Okay. When Kaneda dies... Spoilers for yeah, Sunshine. spoilers for Sunshine. <laughs> Spoiler within spoiler section. If you... Now, on... Um, if anyone's listening to this right now... This is... And you have not seen Sunshine, turn this shit off, because I don't want to ruin anything for you, but... Here we go. Uh, Kaneda's death scene in Sunshine is so good, because every character's like... Why? Like, why did we have to do that? And the only character who was kind of like, well, we had to, was Chris Evans, and even he's visibly disturbed by it. But he's like, the mission's got to keep going, and like, that's horrible. But at least they kind of acknowledged it, and like, everyone in the ship is like, they've all bonded. And despite, you know, the, even the most hardcore of of sciency, like, trying to stay removed from the whole scenario and, and observe it objectively and scientifically, would would. You know, you'd bond. We're humans. Like, it doesn't matter. You yeah, can't. like, unless everybody has, like, Asperger's or something. Like, <laughs> Where's that one? <laughs> Six people in space with Asperger's. They're all just, like, 
all the calculations are we're just gonna have to jettison one of the people okay we just grab one of them and just like <laughs> that one accepts his fate because he needs to be the one <laughs> Jeff Hardy just dives out <laughs> Uh, see that movie. For sure. <laughs> um, it's like a funnier die. Yeah, funnier die trailer. Like space Asperger's. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, I don't know. It just it, it bummed me out. Like it was, it was a lot of wasted potential. Yeah. Um. One of the things that I kind of wanted to talk about, I probably could have caught, talked about it a little bit before spoilers, but. Um. God, I forget what movie it was that we were talking about, Nick. It was on the podcast not too long ago where we talked about a science fiction movie where nobody... Or no, it was a horror movie. I think it was a horror movie where nobody was unintelligent. Nobody did anything stupid mm-hmm. or something like that. Oh, uh, son of a bitch. Yeah, because it, it was on the podcast, too. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was when we it's, it's there somewhere, and I don't remember what it was, but I really appreciated it because, it, like, that that's a very solid point to make. And, um... This movie doesn't... It's hard, because I feel like there are dumb moments, but on one hand, I'm particularly thinking of the girl that goes out to collect the samples. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's the only one oh, that's it was, really... Oh, it was World War Z. Okay, yeah, it was okay. World War Z. Okay. Yeah, everybody um, in World War Z is pretty intelligent. Yeah, it's, it's, nobody, like, Brad Pitt doesn't make any poor choices that lead to, like, events happening in the movie. Um, so, it, in this movie, like, even Jim's death, you know, they need to fix the comm panel, so they end up trying to break it open, and it ends up screwing them. That's okay, that, that was fine. Um... Yeah, was that a, a quick interjection? The fluid that was on him? I don't know. I don't. I I would have to go back and look at what it, like. I don't know. Say, is that I, legit? I didn't get anything on. Like yeah. I don't even know what the fluid was. Or... Yeah, that that was that was odd. Yeah, it was wonky. Because you'd think that they like, okay, if there's a reasonable chance of that happening, like why are you using that particular? <laughs> I just I found it strange. Yeah. Well, and if you have a pressure chamber, why isn't there some sort of decontamination thing? Especially right. since you're going to Europa anyway. You're in but, fucking space. Um, <laughs> Who knows what's out there? But, uh... Got plug, you're gonna get on the windshield. <laughs> the Sam Rockwell from Galaxy Quest. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know they have air? Or I can't remember what it Is was. Is there even air? <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> 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 they've already been talking for... <laughs> um, Galaxy Quest. Man. So good. Yeah. <laughs> that needs to be tagged on with Kyle XY at the end of the episode. <laughs> Galaxy Quest, Kyle XY. But the, the the chick who goes out to get the ice samples, like I don't even I don't even know I was probably even slightly uninvested at this point because I don't even know why she didn't go like she saw the light, right? So she didn't go back to the ship when she really needed to because like that was her amount of time that she could have been outside. And it's just kinda like if you were on Europa and you saw that light, would you do that? I don't know. I don't. I don't want to rule her as like stupid. Like that was a. Well, a scientist would be like, "Whoa, I'm gonna get my team. I'm gonna get mm-hmm. some data." At least that's what I would think. It wouldn't. I mean, you're you're. These people are are NASA trained scientists. They're not Indiana Jones. You'd be like, "What was that light? I'm gonna get it. I'm punching it in the <laughs> that's face. True. That's very and true. Drag it back to the ship. You're true. not Will Smith from Independence Day." Yeah. The other thing, uh, when you mentioned the ice sample thing, like, anytime they weren't on the ship, I had no clue what was going on. Like, you can't see shit in this movie. 
I was like, where where are they? Like, it was so hard to, to decipher anything. And a well, lot of that it was, was, like, first person or, like, helmet cam, like, inner helmet cam and stuff, so you couldn't really, like... Yeah, it was just kind of distracting. I was like, I want to see, at least get, show me, like, an establishing of like, mm-hmm. where they are. Like, couldn't one of the astronauts, like, just take the camcorder and, like, lean out the window? Like, Charles with Charles it or camcorder, something? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was just kind of like... I, I don't even That's know why they showed scene of pilot girl waving out of window to her. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They were... uh, and the idea, like, I, I got, I started to get excited when I was like, "Ooh, there's someone out there. Or there's something out there that's flashing light at them." Like that was that was when it started. I kind of leaned forward again and I was like, hmm, "What's this, there? This could get yeah." This Doctor Manhattan cool. underneath ice. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Watchmen oh. poo trailer. Um, Space. What'd you, what'd you call it? Glow Monster? Glow Monster, yes. <laughs> when I finally showed it, I was like, that's cool. Movie's over. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to try and touch on some positives real quick. Okay. Um, try, Tim. <laughs> no, <laughs> try like away. 30 minutes in, like it started to click. <laughs> like it reminded me of the show that it was Ronald D. Moore who did Battlestar Galactica, the new Battlestar Galactica, did a show, like a pilot for Fox called Virtuality. Or was it Virtuality? Yeah, I think so. And I remember Isn't watching... also a Jamiroquai album? I believe so, but it wasn't in the show. Missed opportunities. And I remember like Fox burned off the pilot during the summer one time, because they didn't pick it up. But, and like I remember watching it, like, this is interesting. Peter, wait, who was it? Uh, Peter Berg directed it. Ronald D. Moore was like Dude, it starred Nikolai Coster-Waldo. Yeah. Hello, yeah. let's find this. <laughs> it's a really interesting uh, pilot, but the problem is like... I was sitting there watching, like, this is never going to get... Like, I could kind of see why they didn't pick this up, because it's really slow. But the reason, like, I was thinking, like, oh, this kind of reminds me of that show. It's because Bear McCreary, I believe, did the score for that. And he did a lot of score for Ronald D. Moore. And Bear McCreary deserves a little better than kind of TV stuff, because he's... Like, his Battlestar score is, like, incredible. Like, it's so good. I was was a little surprised at the fact that Bear McCreary hasn't really done... He's doing the S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show, I think. Yeah. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Not the Michael Chiklis. No. <laughs> I was gonna say. <laughs> S.H.I.E.L.D.'s coming back. But he did... But he's done some really good work on... But it's been mostly on TV. I think he does The Walking Dead, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how The Walking Dead so, score is. The Walking Dead theme is really cool. Yeah, yeah, the theme's really good. And, I mean, there's moments that are that are. He cool. did Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Yeah, Battlestar is... Yeah. Like, I listened to the Battlestar soundtrack when... On the rare times I exercise, um, but other than Are you that, Battlestar fan too. Love, love, love the new Battlestar. Like my I just favorite thing. Started watching. I watched the first of the two part pilot, and they're each ninety minutes. And yeah. Like, God, this is hard. Like it was hard. It's tough. Um, have you gotten past those? Get to the first episode thirty three. Like the first episode of the actual series. Episode three, then it would be technically. Yeah, technically, okay. I guess. On I have not gotten that it's... far yet because it takes me three hours to get there. <laughs> it's so good, though. It's so good. I, I, I like it. I like the, yeah. the the lore. The world building is very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, we're flying <coughs> way off track. But oh, I wonder. <laughs> one other thing we talked about a little bit, and you talked, but but kind of like sacri- sacrificing yourself for science. Yeah. And like because in the end they all none of them make it, but they sacrifice but themselves. They, they, send they back do what they have to do the to be able to send back the data. And I like that, and it was really sweet. But it, one of my like problems with this whole movie is there, there are a lot of movies that just do it better than this movie. And like even like, well, like I'm just like I should have watched Armageddon because <laughs> they sacrifice themselves. To save the world in space, it's the same thing. So, but sunshine again. <laughs> but no sunshine. There, yeah, there. Like of all the 
like the low budget sci-fi movies that come out like yeah sunshine um like we talked about attack the block primer like time crimes and stuff like i wouldn't put this up there like i wouldn't put this like if you're gonna watch like some low budget sci-fi and you haven't seen any of those see those and then get to this yeah Yeah. totally that's a good way to phrase it totally all right it's uh it's a shame yeah i agree i think uh, yeah embeth in her final like monologue she does say that like they they know that they you know they go into space and that that there's a risk that they're not going to come back and probably highly probable mm-hmm. you never know one thing goes wrong out there and you get an Apollo 13 situation in your hands and you're right. just you're screwed but uh her her final message was pretty was kind of good it kind of brought the movie around a little bit where she's like you know that's that's the point that like, you go out there and you do what you have to, to try to advance and if we don't learn anything yeah. There's no point to the mission. There's going to be you said, Alex. But it's... I don't know. I almost... I love creature movies. I love creature movies. Like, I love... I'm Like I said, I can't... I probably won't stop talking for a few months about how excited I am for the new Godzilla. But it was kind of almost disappointing in a way that, like, a, a, a creature is what did him it. Yeah. Like, well, they're just going to send more people out there to find it mm-hmm. and kill it and bring it back yeah. to check it out. Like... It almost would have been cooler if they, I don't know, you obviously have to have something go wrong. It's just weird. I don't know. Yeah. I, I almost would have pre- rather preferred like a more of a psychological movie, like one of the crew starts to lose it or something. and like, like Or even if it's just a mu- environmental kind of thing where like shit yeah, goes sure. wrong with the ships so they can't get back and, yeah. you know, but. It's totally understandable. I do think, I, I think the biggest flaw with the movie was not having Charlotte be that character who's with you till the end. Just he just he was good. You as a character, he was the only character yeah. in the movie, and Charles was just such a likable dude. Like he comes <clears> off. <throat> my mind is still blown that like he's never. He's really not like like Gojo said when we were talking the other day. He's not a real actor yet because <laughs> he's only been in like three movies. His first real movie was District Nine, and he hadn't been an actor to that point. He was a TV producer. Yeah, like that. This shit's amazing because the guy's a natural, like on camera. I just want to watch him. Yeah, he just see. He's plays such a good everyman. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. That's too bad. Um, I think we're going to move on to... Rick, quick thoughts on Europa Report? This week's Rick thought? <clears throat> I think, uh, for the most part, it succeeded in creating an atmosphere. But I think beyond the atmosphere, they fell short in a lot of regards. That's some spicy food? Yeah. My nose is running. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the music was great. I think the... The aesthetic of it was really cool, you know, especially with the confines of it being a found footage film. Yeah. It was really, most of the time, pretty. It was at least mm-hmm. visually interesting. Yeah. But the story left a lot to be desired. I think it was kind of formulaic in a lot of ways. And like you guys were saying earlier, none of the characters really had anything to them to make me care about any of them. Yeah. Um, and I found myself trying to find something to affix myself to for the characters, but I never found it. And I think that was pretty disappointing um <clears throat> yeah like i saw on the captain i was like he has a little flag of he has a little pin of the chinese flag in his collar that's his thing yeah. <laughs> go guy <laughs> but wait that doesn't matter i feel like a lot of archetypes you have like a the smart russian engineer you have the in like the really learned uh chinese guy you have the strong female pilot yeah but it was just like an, a lot of empty signifiers yeah, yeah. um and yeah, I think they could have done a lot of cool things with it, but I think, I, I get the impression that it, it was like almost a design by committee type of thing. 
almost like a bunch of people came together and really diluted one core vision, as opposed to one person having something and really sticking with Interesting. it. Interesting. Yeah, I can see that. I wonder if the it movie felt has like, like 13 EPs on it or something, because you'd be like, okay, all these different people are telling them what to do with it. Yeah, it felt like they were just pulling it well, in different directions. Well, maybe even the NASA involvement kind of confused it a little too yeah. with how yeah, scientific they got yeah yeah it could have totally undermined the cool yeah. idea that they it's had. interesting like you guys think everything was so pretty it had a couple pretty moments but i don't know a lot of it really bugged me that the the slow shutter thing was just driving totally driving me nuts i was like this is an effect not a, you don't make a whole movie that looks like this <laughs> every time something happens suddenly resort to that the worst for me was the the final shot of the woman getting up from her chair on the camera, like when the movie finally catches up to itself, kind of, mm -hmm. and she's like, all right, you know, signing off, and then just like that horrible, like, slow motion shot of her boosting up, and like, it just, I was like, oh, this is like a 60 minute segment now, like the way that looked, it's just like you slow down an interviewee who died from cancer a month after the interview, like it just looked so cheap, I was like, ah. I do agree with that, but I it did was like... so melodramatic, it just made me totally go, well, I don't give a shit if you die. <laughs> like, kill yourself right now, please. <laughs> so the movie ends. But I thought the way that they employed artifacts as being kind of the reveal that she's still on the ship was cool. Because they tried to, obviously, make it look like interview footage. Really yeah. yeah. And I thought it would have been really cool had she gotten away. I mean, it would have been pretty cheesy had she gotten away, but if she had gotten away and then had, would have taken her two years to get back... Could she make it on her own? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that... I think that in itself is a more. You're up for part two. Yeah, that would have actually been a cooler movie if they. She brings Squid back with her. <laughs> squid is just hanging on, sketching on the back of the spaceship. <laughs> oh, they remake Watchmen and they keep in the Squid ending, and it's the Squid from the Europe Report. Get out of my mind. <laughs> yeah, in a lot of ways, I think that would have been a more interesting movie had they gone with that sort of a thing. It would have actually been pretty cool if they made it, the movie, they, they made it there, they got some cool samples and they were heading back and that's when everything started to break down and go wrong. Yeah. It kind of sweet. Yeah, in the end there was nothing tragic about them dying. It's just like, oh, yeah. no, they all Only they all tried to. He might still be out there. He may just be holding his breath. Just <laughs> <laughs> He's actually an Alfonso Cuarón. I was going to say, yeah. he flies by in the yeah, background of gravity. Hi, guys. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, all right, I think we're going to move on to our Food for Thought, brought to us by Nick this week. Okay, so uh, Alex, earlier you had mentioned upon seeing Back to the Future in the theater, uh, you, there were some new jokes and some new maybe plot points that were unearthed to you, either through interaction with a different audience, like a fresh audience, or just because you're a little bit older, or maybe just because you were paying less attention to, yeah. or more attention to certain things. Obviously the second viewing, or, or more of movies, you kind of start to unearth more. So I was just kind of wondering if there are movies that you guys have, like comedies in particular, that maybe are a little bit more layered, and there's a lot of jokes that you pick up more and more upon repeat viewings. Even just, sometimes it's not even, like, lines in the movie, it's just, like, sight gags or just inflection by some actors kind of give yeah. off something in a different way that is just is just awesome. Um, should I start? Sure. Or Tim. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's me starting. I got thrown off. Um, I mentioned Ghostbusters earlier, but one yeah. of the things I realized is movies maybe that I watched as a kid a lot like Ghostbusters mm -hmm. as I grow older um you pick up you different pick up jokes. on the adult humor yeah. And, uh, yeah and like there's um there was a line I watched it the other day where he goes oh don't worry Ray everybody has three mortgages these days like <laughs> and he goes don't quote me on that like, <laughs> like I I never realized that was a joke in the movie well and a sight gag that I had never noticed before until somebody pointed it out to me was um 
when they're discussing the bill for the the hotel and where Slimer's at, and, uh-huh. and they wreck the banquet room, and and Egon is signing the 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 prices to. Uh, uh, yep, yep, yep. As, as he's like charging the, the guy or like telling him how much it's going to cost it's just it's beautiful and it's something yeah. that I never would have noticed I've never noticed in the millions of years that I've been watching Ghostbusters I never saw that before <laughs> that is awesome so so that's that's one that sticks out um, for me just because that is one that is a movie that a lot of people watch when they're younger yeah. but it also works really well um, as an adult too uh, gosh, other than that, I'm actually not a big movie rewatcher other than maybe comedies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there are certain things maybe, I watch Die Hard all the time. Yeah. There are certain things in Die Hard that I still pick up on and it's like, oh, that's awesome. I, uh, I can't remember any of them. <laughs> that mortgage line from Ghostbusters is a great example because yeah. I know, I don't, I can't remember off the top of my head, but r- roughly a year, maybe a little more ago, I watched Groundhog Day for the first time in ages. Mm-hmm. And I remember there were a few lines like that that as a, a relatively grown up person i uh-huh. i thought were funny that i didn't necessarily think were funny when i was like 14 and i yeah it's probably the last time i watched it or something so there's always uh there's good lines like that it's been a lot of 80 80s movies like that too they had a lot of very jokes that only adults would really laugh at yeah yeah i can think of uh in the, the my first inclination was dumb and dumber like i have seen dumb and dumber <laughs> so many times when i was a kid my brother and i would rotate We'd always go to my aunt's house when my mom was at work, and we'd rotate Happy Gilmore and Dumb and Dumber, like, one every other day, and just watch it. And Dumb and Dumber had so many lines. Even then, I would get more and more and more jokes, but now, like, as a grown-up, there are so many... Every line in that movie is, is brilliant. Like, there's just so much going on in that script. And that's kind of a Fairly Brothers staple. Like, uh, there's something about Mary is just loaded with that stuff. They they do such a great job. And I remember one of, one that always stood out to me made me laugh so hard. And part of it was just the way Jeff Daniels sells it too. So he has that great line where he's talking about his ex girlfriend. He's like, one day she just called me up out of the blue. Or no, he goes she she wrote me a, a John Deere letter, which is all, all already hilarious. <laughs> of a Dear John letter, and he goes, and then she called me up, called her up. She said, you know, a bunch of stuff said something about me not paying enough attention to her or something, I don't know, or me not listening, and he goes, I don't know, I wasn't really paying attention. It's like right on, the, right on the heels of that. And the first million times I saw that movie, I, I didn't really, it didn't quite register what, there was a joke on top of another joke, just like just like that. And the Naked Gun series are another series yeah. that I have seen a billion There's times. There's so much stuff going on There's in so every much. scene. Every scene. It's just, it's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. But uh, the big one that I was thinking of was uh, Christopher Guest's movies. Uh, Waiting for Guffman, Best in Show, and Mighty Wind, in particular, those three, there's, there are so many just absolute moments of, like, Kirby Enthusiasm-esque brilliance from, from the actors, just a little bit of, just very everyday conversations, but they, there's, there's such crazy real characters, because you run into people like that all the time, just these total, utter, batshit, crazy, weird people, (laughs) and, uh... There's just so much going on in those movies, especially coming from the actors, because it's largely, you know, improvised, and uh, there's so many little things and little word phrasings that they use that are just so funny and things I don't pick up on. And then I watch the movie again, and I just every time I watch Best in Show, I just I'm laughing. Well, and those those Christopher Guest, I know he hates the term mockumentaries, but those his movies 
you can get a completely different movie out of those depending on who you really pay attention oh, absolutely. to. Like every single time that you see it. So They're, and those are I mean, those are the best actors in the world. Like yeah. the people in those movies that are so good at being so bad, especially in Waiting for Guffman. Have you ever seen Waiting for Guffman? Yeah. Oh my god. They're they're so immensely talented in real life that they can play the worst actors in the world mm-hmm. and they're and it's just absolutely phenomenal. But that was the last one I was gonna say, uh, Galaxy Quest and Mystery Men. I was about, I was gonna Mystery Men was in my mind. Alright, why don't you about. take it away then? Mystery Men, it's just one of those things where I was pretty young when I saw it. I saw it in theaters for a friend's birthday. But and you I, loved it anyway. Oh, my dad and I both <laughs> fell in love with that movie so hard. That's one of the first, that's the first DVD that I technically owned was was Mystery Men. And um I don't know if I have any particular examples from it. Do you have something from it that you can think I of? I remember there was one that as a kid I never really got. And I, I loved that movie because I, I think I watched it with my, my brother and I made my dad rent it because he thought it looked funny. But we didn't realize how adult it would be, but we still loved it. And mm-hmm. he actually thought it was pretty funny. There's a line where at the beginning they're, uh, they split their check three ways at the, at yeah. the restaurant every time. And he one of them says something again like, once again, the so-and-so gets his pocket picked by the salad eater. Yeah. Like that, and he goes, well, Ray, you should order more. And the way <laughs> William H. Macy says that is so funny. Mm-hmm. He's just like, well, idiot, why don't you just order more than just a salad or something like that? Yeah. It's, it's really, really funny. There's yeah. so many little moments like that. And just the... <laughs> everything... I think Ben Stiller is just kind of a champion of this. He mm-hmm. seems to be in a lot of movies that do this. Because there's moments like that... And there's something about Mary and this and and Zoolander. Zoolander is just bare, just mm. swimming in jokes of like this. But the part of the movie he's like, get a new bike, and she's like, what is it? Just a perfectly logical, and he kind of stumbles like, uh, it's a, it's a Har- Harley, Harley. Well, it's a Harley compatible, and like just, he acts such a retard. And like, man, why? It's just awesome. I was thinking, I was for some reason I was thinking of the Cable Guy when he plays the Melendez brothers, or like when the Melendez brothers killed their parents, and like there's a trial going on during the Cable Guy. And, like, they cut to it, and Ben Stiller's playing one of them. And he just keeps blaming it. He keeps going, I think they were Asian. Yeah, they were definitely Asian who killed my parents. And, like, I know, like I was watching it a few months ago. I'm like, this is the funniest thing in the world to me right now. Like, he's just blaming it on so, like, race. Like, I just thought it was so funny. It was killing me. So. There's a lot of moments like that in Happy Gilmore, too. That I think I think this, this whole topic kind of swings around to movies you watch as a kid that you don't... Yeah. You loved then, and there were, there were jokes in it that were great for you, but... They take on a new meaning as an adult, and once I started like playing a little bit of golf as an adult, I got so many more of the heavy Gilmore jokes, just like uh, so much, and just a lot of the situational stuff too. And it's uh, I mean, this whole concept is somehow <laughs> my love for the past thrives on this idea <laughs> because there's no reason that I should have loved that as a kid because just about probably ninety five percent of all the jokes were like straight over the top of my head because all of it was just you know. Yeah. Not like dirty, but just things that as a eight or nine year old that's watching the past, I'm sorry, my parents aren't that bad, I promise. But as as a young <laughs> kid who watched the past, you just would never understand any of that. But Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I have any real particular like examples of things. One of the things in Back to the Future that I really laughed pretty hard at this time that I never noticed before was um when Lorraine shows up at, at Doc Brown's house after stalking Marty back to it. Uh, Doc lets her in. He opens up the door, and she's like, oh, is Marty there? And Doc's like, well, yeah. And then uh, and she walks in, and as Doc closes the door, he just gives the widest eye, like, glare at Marty. And just the whole theater burst out laughing. And I was like, yeah, that's actually a very brilliant moment right there. Because, you know, just as soon as she's out of, like, 
his face is out of eyeshot of hers. He immediately like whips to Marty. It's so it's it's great. <laughs> um, I wanted to throw one out there for Willie, who is not with us today, but I and I'll probably get this wrong. But Dawn of the Dead, Romero's Dawn of the Dead. There, there's the escalator part, and there's a zombie that rides down the escalator, and like it's the funniest thing in the world to me now, like because it's odd, like. I don't know, through maybe younger eyes, you sit there and watch it and you go, this is stupid. What? Yeah. And then, like, as you watch it, like, this is obviously put in there to be, like, <laughs> just the dumb, like, the dumb, he's like, I'm just going to screw around in this part. And it's just a zombie climbing down the accelerator. This is hilarious. Another one for Willie, there's, there's a few of those moments in Ninja Turtles. Uh-huh. And I remember not, yeah. as a kid, necessarily getting at the beginning of Turtles 2 when, when he picks up the, the sausage link nunchucks. He's like, the missing link! I was always like... <laughs> There's a Ralph Nader joke in Ninja Turtles too. And well, there's the, the Jose, the Jose Canseco bad yeah. part. I, as a kid, I was just like, "Who's that?" And uh, there's there's lots of that's kind of a, almost a, something that's not around too much in kids. No, kids stuff I think uh, I think it's different. It's it's because you're older. It's because yeah, I don't older. watch a lot. A of lot of these either. Pixar yeah. movies, if you would have watched them when you were younger and you'd watch them now, I think you'd be getting a lot more out of it. Particularly like Monsters U. Like, half the crap in Monsters U, they walk into the frat house. Kids don't know what frat houses are, really, and there's a bunch of red Solo cups lying around and, like, all kinds of stuff like that. I think Pixar movies are really, really good at, like, programming to... They do the Shakespeare thing, where you write to the peasants and the the royalty. Like, it's... Well, I remember a lot of the stuff I used to watch as a kid, my parents totally would watch with me. Yeah. And they... Because there were a lot of jokes, like, even in shows like... Rocco's Modern Life and, and Bobby's World. And, oh my God, Rocco's is one of the most dirty shows oh, that you could ever watch. Ren and Stimpy, that kind of stuff. Where like as a kid you watch it, but your parents enjoy watching it too because they get a lot of the, there's a lot flying right over your head. Yeah. And like some, you know, I catch some of the goofy ass stuff that's on cable at work or whatever that kids are really into, and I'm like, there's there's nothing I can no. connect with this. It's just loud, colorful shapes going <laughs> like in the screen, and like that's what kids are into now it's just weird yeah. it's like I watched like Jaws and like Indiana Jones as a kid and there's jokes and I just I bought the Jaws Blu-ray like a year ago or something and watched it and it was the first time I really sat like by myself on the couch and watched Jaws and there were so many lines in it that I was like man as a kid yeah. or as a young even a young person I just didn't quite get and it's uh, it's just phenomenal how a movie can, can remain that relevant through like a 20 year span of someone's yeah. life and like you know, boil it down. That's like great writing, I think. Something that's like how I that. feel about the past. <laughs> class, world class, Sorkin level. <laughs> Super Sorkin. All right, I think it's time for us to wrap it up. Um, feedback at midwestfilmers.com. Send us your feedback, thoughts on the movie that we watched, thoughts on our thoughts on the movie that we watched, uh, thoughts on recent. News or, or thoughts on the food for thought. Thoughts on the thoughts food, on thought, food like for that. thought. Questions, any of that stuff, send it to us. Feedback at midwestfilmnews.com. Go uh, rate us and review us on iTunes. That'd be pretty good. Um, <laughs> at MFN Podcast on Twitter and also Instagram. Midwest Film Nerds Podcast on Vine. Um, at Nick Blaubelt on Twitter and Vine, I think, right? Are you Blaubelt down on? Vine. I think I'm Nick Lovell. Nick Lovell on Vine. He's got some good stuff too. Uh, what, what's your At Tim Long One TW, I tweeted a couple things a couple weeks ago, and I was gonna start doing it, and I'm probably not gonna anymore. But I might. <laughs> you get a follower. I got 15. Whoa. 15 followers now. I think I have like seven. Yeah. Rick, what's what's your uh, what's your Vine account? Uh, Richard Masano. 
Okay. All right. So yeah, you can probably find us through our our vines. You can just search uh, hashtag Cirque Parkour and you'll find some pretty good stuff. <laughs> um, thanks to Aunt Mr. John for my for the music and the and the uh, artwork for our podcast. That's my brother. And um, good work, John. Yeah. Other than that, anything else? Galaxy Quest. Right. Galaxy Quest. Kyle X. Y. Go watch them. Oh, 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 oh,